This week on Left Field, we have an international break full of football good weeks and bad weeks, including England's felling of European giants Kosovo. Then enough football, Australia retain the Ashes, but England get a special post box. Rafa wins and Serena loses at the US Open. And the NFL is back, but so is Antonio Brown. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Left Field with me, Wogan, and as always, Andrew Allen. This week connected through the power of the internet. Andrew, are you well? I'm very well. I'm enjoying this little Skype chat that we're having. It is easier than sharing a room. Is that what you're suggesting? No, I mean, just given that, you know, we might not have spoken at all had it not been for the wonderful technology that we've been given by the powers that be. It's hard for me, obviously, being on holiday. Um, easier for you just working your arse off like a blue arse fly you've been busy this week haven't you yeah work has been busy um life has been busy uh i got to interview per mertesacker yesterday though which was fucking brilliant that's what i was Um, getting at i wasn't that interested in the mundanities of your everyday life more neither neither am i (laughs) um yeah no per was great um he's just released a new book called big friendly german which i'm 100 percent guessing but i suspect they wanted to call it big fucking german and the publisher said no we don't think so um <laughs> especially as the, the front cover is him growling so he kind of looks more like a big fucking german than a big friendly german on the front cover but it's a it's a good read i had i kind of whizzed through it in two days and then um had the privilege of chatting to him for about 15 minutes yesterday and um he was on good form busy man busier than me he runs an academy right he's been busy churning out all of these players that he's kind of getting yeah. credit for now even though he didn't have much of a hand in their upbringing yes i know um he's a, he's a really interesting guy i think he's coming to like academy player development in a completely different way to um normal he's he's very concerned about the 98 percent of players who don't really actually make it as footballers and you know given that arsenal have players from about the age of four or five all the way through up to 18 that's a you know a lot of people that you're taking under your care for a long period of time and he doesn't want them all to have their um you know eggs in one basket as it were so he's very keen on educating uh youngsters and making sure that they understand that football's great but you need to prepare yourself for something else um so yeah he's an interesting guy i like him well done, Per. Um, so good week, you, and good week to Per Mertzsacker. Um, let's start with football, as we tend mm-hmm. to do, and the good weeks and the bad weeks. We had uh, the joys or the heartbreak of an international break, which is kind of always a weird week. We've mm. been in full flow with the the kind of regular Premier League season for four or five weeks, and then it's just like the you pull the pull the momentum out of things. Um, do you want to kick us off with a good week from the international break? Uh, yeah, sure. And I'm going to pull one straight out of left field. Um, Liechtenstein. Um, they drew one all with Greece, courtesy of a goal five minutes from time by Denis Solanovic. I'm really um, glad you told me the result because there's absolutely no way I would have known. Okay. Well, there's a reason why I pull this up, right? So Liechtenstein, who are 182nd in the FIFA rankings, and there's only a 211 teams, are basically useless and it's a good week for Liechtenstein because this goal was their first international goal for three years and it resulted in their first international point in four years so I'm basically hailing everybody from Liechtenstein 
Well done. Well done, Liechtenstein as a nation. Uh, uh, conversely, this would have absolutely fucked uh, probably 90% of international break accumulators, which is one way of making an international break exciting. Uh, yes. And I should also say, as a consequence of it being great for Liechtenstein, it was pretty terrible for Greece, who played the game at the Olympic Stadium in front of basically nobody. I think maybe like less than 5,000 people turned up, and that's a big stadium. Um, their chances of qualifying for Euro 2020 are in tatters. They basically, uh, I don't know what deal they made with the Greek gods when they won Euro 2004, but it feels like they've been on a downward spiral ever since, and this is a pretty low place for them to be. The, the, the passing of time gets more rapid as you age, but to me that doesn't seem like that long ago that they won the Euros. Uh, admittedly, that's I mean, it's two generations. Years. It's two generations of players in football terms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there there are there are players who were playing on that Greek team who were only six when that happened. God, mm. making me feel really old. I'll get a good week out of the out of the way. Fair play to England; they absolutely destroyed Kosovo five three. Um, being a little bit sarcastic, why is it <laughs> such a big deal that England beat Kosovo? I know everyone has been oh, the English media have been so keen to hype up Kosovo, but also. England are England, or were they not the third best team in the world or something? Fourth best team, according to the World Cup result. Obviously a bullshit result, but they're good, right? I mean, England are pretty... I mean, they've got some very good attackers. I think they're still pretty dog-shite at the back. Um, Their midfield is absent. They have a great front three. They've got a really good set of front players. They've got a slightly absent midfield and they've got, let's say, one and a half decent defenders and a slightly dodgy goalkeeper. Um so they're gonna they're just gonna win games like this. I mean it could easily have been five four well, six four really, because Kane missed a penalty, didn't he? Um but Kosovo had a great chance to, to make it five four. Um yeah, I mean England are an exciting outfit, but I can't help but think that Gareth Southgate is going to be pretty concerned about the fact that they are conceding goals. Um, they need to tighten up. And Harry Maguire's massive head isn't, you know, not not moving around the pitch quickly enough, is it these days? Or Harry and his large head. Uh, that probably is a a tough thing to carry around, right? Oh, I mean, it's like what two tons, three tons. I mean, it's amazing that he he's made you know he's able to get the pace up that he does. Um, yeah, like, I I think England people are getting excited about England because they're going to cruise into the, the the tournament proper, right? And then quite a lot of the tournament is actually on home soil. I mean, it's that weird thing with Euro 2020 where the games are being played all over Europe, but the big game and the final is is, is in the UK. Um, so there's a potential for some form of reliving 1996, I guess. Um, we'll see how it plays out, but they're definitely going to qualify. Results like these, um, I mean, I, I don't have them as a good week or a bad week this week, but I'm, I've been reading... Michael Owen's book as oh, yes. people following on, on social media bumps now. Yeah, it's a, it's a crack and read. Uh, it's very well ghostwritten. They've really managed to uh, capture his exact tone of voice and mannerisms. <laughs> like he says, uh, he says nowadays, I should do a command F and find out how many times he exactly says it. But I feel like now, the word nowadays is on every second page as oh. he kind of makes a haphazard comparison between football now and football like back in the day when he played but one one aspect that he does mention is the kind of toxic relationship that the english uh, senior setup had with the media um and the lack of respect and the lack of kind of uh, give and take that there was there in the early noughties especially mm. um 
And I feel like results like this, England and Kosovo, are treated a lot more lightly now than they would have been back in the day. Um, or even just any kind of mishap. Like this is, uh, everyone, all the media wants to talk about Jaden Sancho being so great. Whereas I feel like 20 years ago, they'd want to talk about like why we conceded three against Kosovo, some minnow country that actually but, didn't exist 20 years ago, I guess. So that would have been a shocker. Yeah, that's after the double page spread and all the wags, right? They've kind of yeah. stopped doing that type of thing now. I feel like they've they've wised up to the, the kind of slightly creepy nature of it all. It's uh, partly the England PR exercise, right? So the players have all told to be nice to the media. Yeah, if we nice them, they'll just like have to be nice back. I mean, it's an interesting, I mean, it sort of works, I guess. Although, you know, Raheem Sterling, poor Raheem Sterling still gets targeted, doesn't he, by the, uh, those on the right side of the media. And now they, now they just tell him how well he's conducted himself, which also <laughs> feels very condescending. Um, yeah. Well done on not being an asshole today. I can't stomach talking about England having a good week anymore. So if you could please give me another good week, that would be lovely. Yeah, I'm going to take it away from international football. I'm going to talk about the Women's Super League, which started last weekend. Um, Obviously, we had the World Cup in the summer, which was a tremendous success for viewing figures in the UK. Um, But uh, uh, 24,000 people watched Chelsea beat Spurs at Stamford Bridge. Um, And then 31,000 people watched the Manchester Derby at the Etihad. Um, They were kind of two exercises that I think clubs were trying to obviously, you know, play off the fact that women's football is very popular during the summer. Um, But on top of that, you know, all the Barclays uh, Women's Super League games are now being streamed live. They're all available online, live, when they're happening on the weekend. Um, And I think I've read this afternoon that there's going to be a women's football weekend, so they're going to urge um, football fans of all shapes and sizes, gender, whatnot, to um, to head to a women's football match on the weekend of the 16th, 17th of November, which I believe is when Arsenal are playing Spurs at White Hart Lane. The ladies, the women, sorry. Um, so yeah, no, it's um, it's it's been a good week for the women's Super League. A shout out to the Arsenal team who started their uh, title defence with a 2-1 win against West Ham. Well, well done to Arsenal ladies. Do you think this was helped or hindered by? the international games that the women had last week. I I read some of the England ladies were sounding off a little bit about the scheduling. So they were coming back to their clubs to play in women's Super League games and they had literally not really trained or prepared for the season because they were away on international duty for a week or two weeks beforehand. At the same time, in all of these international games, England didn't do particularly well, but their international games were on TV again. So remind them, oh, wait, there's a big Women's Super League weekend coming up. It's a bit of a, uh, I don't know, a two-sided coin. Yeah, I mean, I, I, look, I, they, they've got a massive task ahead about m- maintaining momentum, really. Um, people will watch women's football if it continues to be talked about and it continues to be present and the brand is seen to be attractive. And... If you let that slip for whatever reason, you decide to just, you know, let it go for a a month or so and just assume that people will continue to be interested. It's not going to work like that. This is going to need constant kind of care and attention. They're going to have to kind of build it up slowly but surely over the years. Um, There was a really interesting interview with the Arsenal manager just before the season kicked off with Ollie Holt in the mail, which I accidentally clicked on. And um, 
he was talking about how it really is about making the brand attractive. And to a certain extent, it's not really about playing massive games, like big, big attendances in, in massive stadiums. It's about making it an attractive proposition every week, week in, week out for people who want to go to smaller games, you know, the average game. Um, and that means improving the stadiums that the women play in at the moment. Um, so yeah, so it's a work in progress, but you can see the momentum that's built. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to take my last good week. And we're going to go to Wales. Uh, I'm sticking with the international football team. Um, they beat Azerbaijan 2-1. They beat Belarus 1-0. And all I'm reading is the narrative that Ryan Kiggs doesn't know his best team yet. So that means the only way is up and Wales are actually brilliant. I Yeah, I'm not wholly convinced that Ryan Giggs really knows what he's doing as a football manager. No, I don't think there's any evidence so far that suggests, like, I mean this jokingly, but also seriously, like I can't point to much evidence that he's a good manager or that there's a lot of potential for him to be a good manager. Is there anything? I don't know. I mean, the fact that he was overlooked so many times at club level, despite the fact that he had, you know, experience coaching Manchester United when he was caretaker off the back of Van Hall going, and there's there's something not right there. I just all right, I, Graham Sooners. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> yeah touche. Um, yeah, I don't know. I also I just I don't really like Ryan Giggs as a as a person. He was a he was a good footballer, and he you know he loved yoga, but he also you know he kind of banged his brother's wife, and he's just you know a bit grotty. I find the Ryan Giggs's personal brand is not strong. Not for me. Not for me, Carl. No. Not for me. Uh, do you have a final good week for us, or are we spent? No, let's do let's do a good week for both of us, right? Mick McCarthy's Ireland, right? Yeah, uh, sure. They're on they're on their way. Euro twenty twenty. They're on their way. So Ireland, maybe <laughs> Ireland beat Bulgaria three one. Admittedly, this was a friendly game, but that's the first time they've scored three in a game since like. Mid 2007, I think it played Uruguay back then or two, wow. 2017. Sorry. Um, but it's been two years plus since they scored three in a game. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's good. Uh, the under 21s also won. Uh, hey, 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 look, you're forgetting that they drew one all with Switzerland earlier in the week and that actually was quite an important result. Yeah, because it's an important result. It's one of those classic though Ireland results where um yeah, it's important, but like at no point am I ever really enthused. I just like it it's good that we might get to a tournament. Okay. All right. I'm well, sorry, look, it's just very fatalistic. It is. I look forward to having conversations with you during Euro twenty twenty when Ireland are at it and you're you're loving it. Yeah, well this should, I mean it could be a completely different story, which we'll come on to maybe Actually, maybe we'll just move on to this first, because if you're not Ireland and you're not like buckling down and kicking teams and maybe sitting back and getting a goal on the break, which they didn't do against Bulgaria, but they did do against Switzerland. You you are Scotland who lose at home. They got hockeyed by Belgium. And mm. a thing that Ireland, the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland have both done with various degrees of success is realize your lack of talent and play to it. And Scotland have tried to play football against Belgium and gotten killed. But you, you think they should know better. They should see, like, look, you're supposed to just scrap it out. But they haven't got a clue. They're, and they're only lucky that San Marino exists because otherwise they'd be the bottom of that group. 
incidentally, I looked up because I was looking where Liechtenstein are in the rankings. San Marino are indeed ranked the worst team in the world at the moment, 211th. That's, I mean, it's amazing that there are numbers that high. Yeah, well, watch, the, watch them scrap a draw against Scotland soon. Well, they, I think they play soon, right? So this is... Probably in October, even, right? Yeah, it could be an even worse week for Scotland soon. Yeah, well, we'll put that one in the diary. Um, uh, shall I, shall I go with another bad one? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with this one before the one that is a bad week, really. So the person in charge of the anthems at the Stade de France. I don't know if you saw this story. Um, so France were playing Albania. And instead of playing the Albanian anthem, the guy in charge of the music played the Andorra anthem. And this did not go down very well with the Alb- Albania players, who basically then decided that they didn't want to play. Um, eventually, they found the right anthem. And then to make matters worse, the stadium announcer asked the crowd to please respect the Armenia national anthem. So... They balls it up a second time. I feel like this is completely fair. I I am totally <laughs> on side with the slighted team here. Uh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, fuck's sake. I mean, why you'd be absolutely I'd be pissed off, I guess, if, you know, it's your big, big game at the Stade de France against the, the world champions. And then suddenly everybody's sort of taking the piss out of you. Anyway, France won 4-1. Uh, bad night for the dude in charge of the anthems. That sucks for him. I've got a slightly left field bad week as well to follow up. And it's a name that I actually have a Google alert once a week for this man's name. It's Saito Berahino. So I'm just really invested in him recovering to some way in his career. So he's playing in Belgium now. He started scoring a few goals at club level. Um, but he plays for Burundi and they were dumped out of the World Cup. Uh, World Cup qualifying rather on penalties by Tanzania and nobody on the team including Saido got to convert a single penalty in the penalty shootout they just missed them all um, I would potentially have picked someone else's name to go here but there aren't other famous Burundi players he's the one okay why on earth do you have a Google alert set up for Saido Berahino's name his his story just really appeals to me. I like that kind of fallen figure because he was he was a next big deal, wasn't he? Remember? Do you do this for all of the next big deals? Do you just like Google alert? That's no, there's just, there's just something about him. I used to follow him on Instagram as well. And when he was kind of marginalized in the Premier League and kind of uh, wasn't getting a game, I just watch him do deadlifts and whatever and jump around and do box jumps in the gym. And he'd be like, I'm ready. Hashtag stay ready. <laughs> For some reason, it really appealed to me. So, Saito Berry, you know, I've got a kind of spiritual collection, connection with. But bad week for him this week. Bad week for him. Sorry, oh, Saito. Well. Uh, shall I go again? Yeah. All right. I'm going to pick one. Uh, it is, I've got two to choose from. Uh, Javi Grahia, the now not Watford manager, who... Oh, um, this feels like a long time ago. Go on. Well, it's still within the week. It um, is, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I predicted a couple of weeks ago that he was probably going to get sacked. I just didn't really expect it to happen so quickly. Um, it's slightly annoying because he's been sacked just before the Arsenal game, but I guess it makes sense because he was sacked at the beginning of the international break, which means that, uh, Kike, uh, yeah, Kike Flores, uh, who was in charge of Watford and is now his replacement and he's back in the club and all the rest of it, um, has had a slightly longer, uh, period to prepare the team, but, 
Uh, yeah, Watford look all out of sorts at the moment. They 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 what, played four games, sit bottom of the league. They need to start getting some results, and they got big games coming up. Well, I yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to say that nowadays, as Michael Owen would say, nowadays that managers don't get much time. But this like 12 month shelf life for Watford managers, like they should mm. just sign these one year contracts. Um, I'm sure he got paid off nicely for the remaining two or three years or whatever it was on his contract. Um, but yeah, it just, I mean, four games seems like quite a rush. They, Watford definitely passed the, are there three worst teams in the league test? Like they're surely one of the kind of top 12-ish teams. I just think it's really strange that you would spend all summer preparing. You'd give the manager the opportunity to bring players in. And then after four games, you go, ah, oh, I've run out of patience now. I mean, he's literally, the season started, what, four weeks ago? I mean, it's, that is, it, that's crazy. It's real kind of panic button stuff, but, um, it is what it is. He's gone. And, uh, Kiko Sanchez Flores, who took them to a mid table finish in 2015, 16 is back. I don't know why he left last time. It's one of those ones where it's kind of made to sound like it was a mutual agreement, but, um, the uh, the interesting thing with him is he just he just wanders everywhere. I wouldn't be surprised if he's only a, a twelve monther again. Um, who is the, the next manager? I'm asking you to call it next manager to lose their job in the Premier League. Um, oh, Steve Bruce. Do you think maybe? Nah, oh, maybe I feel that's... like it would have to be really really bad. Like oh yeah, they would but have I... to not get a single point. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like maybe I think that. You know, if the crowd goes against him and it wouldn't take much, uh, he, he could suffer. I'm not even saying he'll necessarily get the sack as it were. He, he might, you know, he might just walk out. Mike Ashley might do something mental. And, uh, you, what's your, I, I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here, but what's your over under on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? Does he start next season as the Man United manager? Oh, no, he'll, he'll be, he'll be gone at some point this season. He'll be yeah. gone by the spring. I, I mean, I said previously Christmas, but I think that might come too soon. So, um, yeah, he's, he's, he's definitely not going to make it. I am tapped out of bad weeks. Do you have a final one? Uh, yeah, I've got one final one and I literally just found this one before we, uh, we logged on to Skype. Um, Barcelona midfielder Arda Turan, who, uh, has been linked with all manner of Premier League clubs in the past, has received a suspended jail sentence of nearly three years for firing a gun in a hospital after a fight with a singer. I'm just going to let that sit there for a moment. There's a lot in that headline. There's a lot, isn't there? Um, so he is on loan in Istanbul to a team called Bazak Sehir. I probably pronounced that wrong, but I have to do one of these every week. Um, and he got into a brawl with Burke Sahin last year, which ended with a broken nose for the pop star. Um, anyway, while the pop star was in hospital, Turan turned up at the hospital and then shot a gun at the floor. And uh, he's received a suspended jail sentence. Wow. That's full. I mean, maybe that's, actually, that's a good week. I mean, you can fire a gun in a hospital and not go to jail. I mean, there we go. Maybe it's a good week. Yeah, swings and roundabouts for him. Um, if that's all that you have for me, then we'll wrap up for the first half of football and we'll be back for the second half of not football, as always. Given away by Vieira. Possession needlessly surrendered by Arsenal. Giggs happy to just get the ball down the other end of the pitch, but can he do any more than that? Still Giggs goes! He's through! He scored! Ryan Giggs! Welcome back to the second half of left field, the home of not football. And this week, we're going to start in America, Flushing Meadows. 
that name, that place name that I love. Um, Rafa Nadal beat Daniel Medvedev in the US Open men's final, while Serena lost in the women's to Bianca Andreescu of Canada. Which is the bigger deal, Andrew Allen? I think it's probably a bigger deal Nadal winning, actually, because Serena's now lost, I think, what, four four finals in a row or something? And there's always teenagers winning the women's tennis Grand Slams these days. So I'm going with Nadal beating Medvedev. Medvedev, who uh, last week we were obviously cheering on because he was such a bad boy, completely trolling the uh, the US Open crowd. Um, and it was a bit of a stunner of a game, of a game as well, like... Uh, Nadal sort of stormed to a, a two-set uh, lead. Medvedev came back, and um, uh, Nadal ended up winning 6-4 in the final set. That was his 19th Grand Slam. He's now just one behind Roger Federer, and Roger Federer is obviously four years, four, nearly five years older than Nadal. So there's a fairly high chance that um, Nadal is sort of standing on the brink of being the greatest ever player, um, which is pretty impressive. The other stat I found actually was. Um, Nadal's victory means that he and his three greatest rivals, so that's Djokovic, uh, Murray and uh, uh, Federer, have won 54 of the 59 Grand Slams. 54 of the last 59 Grand Slams. Isn't that amazing? It is absolutely ridiculous, right? It's probably why you don't watch tennis, because it's just boring now, isn't it? No, no. I mean, it is exciting. I, I watched that and I thought, I really thought that Medvedev was going to win. Uh, not not at the start, obviously, but once his comeback, once he leveled it at two sets to two, mm. I was like, oh, this is this is it now. But I forgot about all of Rafa's Mexican supplements <laughs> and that he still has this power within him to just pull it out. But I will disagree yeah. with you on which is more important, because even though it's oh. a kind of accumulation of losses, Serena Williams losing a fourth slam final without winning one kind of. I've just finally, this one has made me think that she's she's done now. She's obviously not done. She's going to continue to be a great tennis player for a little while on, or for as long as she wants to play. But I just like she's lost all of these in straight sets as well, as far as I know, the stats department may correct me. But I just feel like she's done with the Grand Slams, in, in which case that means it's a kind of even though this isn't the last chapter, it kind of is the denouement of Serena Williams. Do you think that maybe she just gets to the final and she plays these kids and she's just like, you know what, wouldn't it be nice if they had a chance and they had a chance to win? She could just be, yeah, a benevolent she's... friend in the dressing room. Exactly. Maybe that's where she's going. You know, motherhood sort of brought out a new kind of quality in her when she gets on court. Yeah. But it's a different teenager or young person every single time that beats her in a final and she's beating all the other young people on the ways to the final mm. it's, it's a it's a really odd thing but yeah I, I think she's just on the way down i appreciate that rafa winning his 19th is big but i feel like serena losing her fourth in a row is is big I mean, it could be just that, you know, from a fitness point of view, once you get, you know, she's 37 years old. Um, I think Federer, who, you know, I'd predicted to, to, to win the US Open on the men's side of the draw, he struggled, uh, losing a five set game against Dimitrov in the quarterfinals. And, you know, Federer's 38. And I think when the games go long and the tournaments go longer, it's really, really hard. I mean, look, I know I'm about their age. I'd go out for a run. 
I get to about the mile mark and then I'm dead. And, you know, I used to at least get to two miles. That does uh, kill me when I compare myself to them. So you're doing and I'm even younger than you, but I absolutely could not. Like I, I groan every time I have to bend down and pick something up. <laughs> Serena's there having children and getting to Grand Slam finals at the age of 37. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, she's pretty special. I mean, she's been one of the great sports stars of our, of our, uh, I guess our lifetime. Speaking of great sports stars of our lifetime, <laughs> Australia, aka just Steve Smith, retained the ashes <laughs> after a test win at Old Trafford. Um, England can't win the ashes. Australia are going to take it home, take the little urn full of what's in it. I don't know. Ashes of something. Um, uh, I believe it's the, isn't it the ashes of a stump or something? Oh, that sounds about right. Yeah. Oh. Uh, were, so were they just beaten by Steve Smith? Yes. Yeah, they were. Twice. Uh, it, it, do you take any solace in that? I know, I don't, I know I always uh, push Englishness upon you, but as the closest person to an Englishman, on this podcast, you're going to have to explain how it hurts or doesn't. I mean, I'm not entirely sure that I am the closest person to an English, but anyway, we'll go with this. Uh, well, look, I, I, cricket's a game that I follow with interest, but I don't, I rarely get that passionate about it. It really has to be something pretty special to get me out of my seat. And that happened during the World Cup when that epic final against New Zealand played out. Um, this was just a real kind of like interesting sort of slow battle over the course of four, four games. And I, I mean, I guess I kind of wanted England to, um, to win to make the last test interesting. It was going to be something of a, a damp squib, the final one at the Oval this week. Um, look, what can you say about Steve Smith that hasn't already been said? There's a line. Um, he really is quite a spectacular player. I mean, what was it? A double century in the first innings, 82 in the, in the second. Um, you know, he'd hit two, three previous centuries earlier in the series. I mean, the guy's an absolute machine. The and endurance think, is insane. Oh. To just even back for that long. Yeah. And also, I mean, look, bear in mind, he, he, he missed one of the tests because he'd been smashed in the face as well. Um, it really is quite like, uh, I mean, if there's an Australian sports personality of the year, I think I know who's going to win it. Um, he's, you forget uh, that you forget that Australia has a lot of successful sports people as opposed to. <laughs> name, dot, one. Dot, dot. name one. Name, name one. <laughs> there's more. There's more. Um, do, do you take any solace in the fact that Owen Morgan uh, got a post box painted white by Royal Mail? near St. John's Wood Station. That's the one near Lourdes in honour of their World Cup win earlier in the summer. Uh, yes, I shall be posting all of my letters from that one particular post box, despite the fact that it's way out of sight of my kind of like, yeah, my neighbourhood. It's miles away. It, it was curious timing for that. Royal Mail did similar things with their painting post boxes gold after the 2012 Olympics. They I know did, the yeah. One one that I regularly walk past on my trips to Sheffield, dedicated to Jessica Ennis Hill. Um, mm. But this this was unveiled like a day after Australia won the fourth test. It just seemed like a if you're going to bury some good news, why would you bury it then? Well, you know, who cares? It's a fucking post box. No one posts letters anymore. Who cares? Exactly. Um, in other news, the NFL was back this week. We've talked a lot about the NFL. We're finally here. We picked you a team. Yeah. Uh, 
the much hyped Cleveland Browns lost very badly. The Ravens destroyed the Dolphins. Your beloved New Orleans Saints, as of last week, they won with the last minute field goal. I, 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 I have, I have made notes. I oh, have made, made notes. I've made notes. A I started, super, super dome correspondent. I just, oh yeah, that's where they play, isn't it? Um, so two things I noticed just to start. One, the cap is still very expensive and I haven't bought it. Two, the way that they display the names makes it look as if New Orleans Saints were away from home, but actually the massive fleur-de-lis on the AstroTurf was a giveaway, and I figured out that despite the fact they do it the opposite round to football, they were indeed at home. Now, I didn't get to watch it because it was Monday night football, which meant it was like, I don't know, 3 o'clock in the morning or something, but I did check first thing in the morning on Tuesday what the result was, and I saw that they... They they basically won it with a rugby conversion, which was yes, lovely. A field goal. A field goal, yeah. I now know who the quarterback is, and he's fucking ancient. Drew Brees. <laughs> yeah. He's 40, and he looks like 50. Um, he actually looks like a kind of shorter, wider version of Petter Cech. Yeah, I can see that. I can see yeah. that, yeah. Um, I... I basically am massively chuffed with my choice uh, because I found out that they have a wide receiver called Michael Thomas, who is obviously an Arsenal hero. So that and the fact that I really like Alvin Kamara, is that his name? Yeah. The running back? Yeah, he's great. Yeah, he he was great and he looks like a dude. He's a killer. Yeah. And I also like the fact that I found out they have like a hashtag and it's let's go and it's spelled go as in like the end of Gatto. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they really go in with that Florida-y so, so, theme. So, so that, that's like week one of me being a New Orleans Saint, and I feel like I've I've made pretty good progress. I was so annoyed that like by sheer luck and a recommendation and the liking of a logo, you picked a team that turns out to be really good, and yet me, who I, I'm not going to say I'm obsessed, but I'm quite into this NFL arc. And I tried to pick out three stonewall locks of the week for the listeners of left field. Yeah. And I went one and two. Deary me. Ah, oh, I, I picked the, the Miami Dolphins to beat the, to beat the cover or to beat the spread of six and a half points. And they lost by 40 something. It was <laughs> a bad week for Wogan. But all, all of me. this, a lot of this was overshadowed by the return of our friend slash enemy our frenemy antonio brown so he uh, 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 the short version over the last week he released more videos he taunted the 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 general manager of the oakland raiders he called him a cracker and tried to beat him up he got released by the raiders he got signed to a one-year deal with the the new england patriots as predicted by pat mcavee and and now he's the subject of much more seriously, uh, quite a serious sexual assault allegation. Oh um, no. Yeah, it's a real roller coaster weeks for Antonio Brown and it's kind of undermined the first week of the NFL season. Um, I mean, it's, I mean, he's like, I mean, at this point, you must be thinking if you're an NFL franchise, stay away, maybe. Yeah, I think over the last week has been the first time where I've started to see a lot of like mentions of, which should be obvious, this is a sport where people get hit in the head for a living. Right. I mean, you don't want to just take wild guesses at the state of someone's mental health or mental capacity, but he's clearly 
completely insane. Um, am I right in thinking that for the period that he was at the Raider, Raiders, which was what, March till September? Yeah, didn't of, get, of which you get like four months off. So he's yeah, really yeah. just there in September. But that's when he burnt his feet in the cryo chamber and all that. Yeah. But he didn't get he didn't get paid. No, so he hasn't, as far as I know, he hasn't earned a dime from the Raiders or close he gets, to not a dime. He gets $9 million up front with the Patriots. He does. Assuming so off the that, back of this week must be kind of like, oh, shit. Yeah, I mean, the, this, the thing is, though, it's own, the Patriots are the... They are the Alex Ferguson era Manchester United. They make a living in taking in players and making them the best of what they should be. They did right. it with other troubled players in the past. Their receiving core now has a player called Josh Gordon, who has publicly admitted to having lots of drug problems, but has rehabilitated himself and is like a superstar. Uh, so if he's going to make it anywhere, he'll make it there. I thought you were going to crack into Frank Sinatra there. I I had to stop myself. Um, (laughs) It it, it could work out for him. There's a lot of suggestions that he has engineered this whole thing to get to the Patriots because he was traded to the Raiders. He didn't just sign willy-nilly with the Raiders. Um, Uh, That would be a very, very complex way of getting what you want. I mean, also, the blisters on his feet looked really real. Yeah, it may, well, this raises the question. Did he intentionally burn his own feet off in a cryogenic chamber? I mean, that's a conspiracy theory I'm not getting on board with. What lengths will people go to? Well, for $9 million, actually, in fairness, I might have done it. So we will keep everyone posted with our journey through the NFL season. I can't wait to bring you through like all the way to the playoffs and that, especially given you have a team that actually could get to the playoffs. Well, we'll have to watch a we'll have to watch a, a game at some point, like one that's not on at a stupid o'clock. You can come around, we'll get some nachos. I'll buy a cap and wear it, and we'll open some beers and stuff. Like maybe we could tailgate in the like front yard or something. We could do a, a live podcast of a maybe a Thursday night football game with um with the, the your beloved Saints. Yeah, I mean, I'll 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 sit there with like. Google open. I had to look up why they threw those flag things. Um, I wasn't sure what those were. Oh, there was a good, <laughs> if, if the flags confused you, there was a great uh, flag incident. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys head coach uh, threw, uh, they won in a very spectacular fashion. It was great. Mm. But he threw a flag. The umpires or the referees didn't see it straight away. And then he quickly picked it back up again and pretended not to have thrown a flag. It was they, very amusing. Do they not have VAR or something? They have VAR in a way, but <laughs> they have to proactively go to it. But what could have happened is the opposing coach could have seen this and thrown a flag to get them to review the other guy throwing a flag. Uh, okay. So the other thing I read is that they've changed what's inside the flags because some like previous umpire used to stick ball bearings in it and he ended up chucking one of these flags which is where you mark a penalty spot right but he chucked one and it went in some dude's eye and he missed three seasons and he ended up getting a 25 million dollar payout from the nfl look it's a lucrative game man it's a lucrative (laughs) game uh i've got a really really good and finally for you this week oh go on then i can't wait it's a question that's been bouncing around in my brain since I heard it asked on Barstool Sports, pardon my take last week. Go listen to pardon my take. Uh, would you rather a year in prison 
or prison until you completed a Rubik's Cube? Oh, man. I think I might take a year in prison. I might try and, like, learn a language instead or something. Will Watts. Can he put the cape on his back and become a hero here for these fans? 58-yard attempt for the win! Got it! Coming back no more down to Mississippi. Going to take a trip. Going to spend my days and in my days. I'll have to be a shore.